This epidemic of deaths is caused by murderers who are adding toxic chemicals to the drugs that ordinary people are taking. You've heard of the fentanyl crisis. You've heard that 4,000 Canadians died last year from opioid-related overdoses. But do you know how fentanyl has driven up the cost of housing in Canada? How our casinos are laundering dirty money? Who the main players are? And why officials can't seem to stop the intricate web of foreign crime that's killing Canadians? I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. There are people profiting off the death of our children, and they're still profiting, they're still going to profit, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse until we wake up. Today, another three or four people will die from an overdose in British Columbia. It's described as an opioid crisis. BC is on pace to set another record in overdose fatalities. Unless something changes, more than 1,500 lives could be lost in the ongoing opioid crisis. Within what ends up being nine hours and five minutes, we have five fatal overdoses. Between 10.15 a.m. and 7.20 p.m. Friday, three men and two women played Russian roulette with drugs and lost. The number of people dying from fentanyl-related overdoses in our province continues to go up. Between January 1st and May 6th of this year, 228 Albertans lost their lives due to these types of overdoses. You're like in a war zone. Your eyes go dead. The most impacted regions by far, Calgary. Vancouver's downtown east side. City of Abbotsford. Toronto, Peterborough and London. The city also has one of the highest rates of hospitalization in the country due to opioid poisoning. In the last month, I know about six people that have passed away. Fentanyl is deadly. Global News released a report exploring Canada's fentanyl crisis. It examines the background, who the main players are, how they spend their cash in Canada, and why authorities can't seem to stop them. Global News reporters Sam Cooper, Stuart Bell, and Andrew Russell put this report together. And what they found out is shocking. Sam Cooper has won awards for his work on the case, and he has done a lot of work on this story because it's not an easy story to explain. It's a story that has a lot of different angles to it. It draws connections not only to a drug crisis that's making its way across Canada, but it also connects to our casinos and to Canada's real estate industry. But at the root of it all is the drug fentanyl. Fentanyl is an opioid. It's a synthetic form of heroin. It was developed in university labs and prescribed as a painkiller, really, and that is how the usage became common. But it started to be produced as illicit fentanyl in factories around the world, and now organized crime groups have taken over the market, really, and used fentanyl to to cut into other forms of drugs to make those other drugs more more powerful and really to increase the supply of those drugs. And in that way, the organized crime groups can increase the profits. Why people are dying is that fentanyl is 50 to 100 times more toxic and powerful than morphine. So when people take it, they, they may not know what they're getting. They maybe go to a party and take an ecstasy pill and that's not a good thing that's a horrible thing but they may find a little bit of fentanyl in there and suddenly 
their body systems just shut down and they're gone before they know it. So that's why fentanyl is more dangerous than, than other drugs because, you know, we've heard of heroin on our streets or meth on our streets for, for decades now. But it seems like with fentanyl now on the streets, it's become a crisis. It's become a crisis because you're dead before you know it. Crack cocaine or crystal meth, heroin itself, all those things are obviously devastating. If people do them for long enough, they're going to die or do very bad things. But fentanyl, you can die just in the the snap of a finger and you're gone. That's the deadliness of it. So where is this all coming from? You said earlier that it's coming from China. Yes, the international police investigations have found, and it's very well established, that much of the illicit fentanyl supply is being made in chemical factories in China, specifically southern China, an area called Guangdong that is a massive industrial region that's not regulated very well at all. It's also produced in other areas of Asia. Not much at all, police believe, is produced from scratch in North America. It's mostly coming from what you would call um, developing economies in the Asian and perhaps Ukrainian region as well. In his report, Sam explains in detail how the fentanyl and dirty money flow from China into British Columbia. Then the drugs get shipped across our country and the laundered money goes back to China to repeat the cycle. Fentanyl flows into Canada from China through major shipments to Vancouver ports and tiny postal packages delivered across the country. Fueling the trade is a Chinese gang called the Big Circle Boys, which has infiltrated BC Lottery casinos. Back in Macau, gangs target wealthy VIP gamblers and invite them to Richmond, BC to gamble. Here's the money trail. BC drug dealers supply loan sharks with money. The loan sharks deliver that cash to gambling VIPs. The VIPs buy casino chips, play them, and cash them in, walking out with cleaned or laundered money, some of it used to buy homes in Vancouver. The VIPs transfer cash from their own accounts in China to gain bank accounts in China. RCMP investigators determined that money is used to fund chemical precursors to make more fentanyl. The drugs are shipped to Canada and sold. Cash is deposited in underground banks in Richmond, B.C., and the cycle repeats. Drugs also arrive in the mail using something called smurfing. Fentanyl traffickers have numerous individuals use drug cash to buy Canadian money orders. They are always under $10,000 to avoid detection. Those money orders are sent to the same people in these Chinese cities, Wuhan, Zhuhai, Guangzhou, Xianzhou, and Shanghai. Once the money is received in China, small packages of fentanyl powder come back to Canada in the mail, and the drugs are dealt out locally. It's not necessarily made here in Canada then. It's sort of made abroad, and then it's being brought into Canada. That's right. It's, it's being made in factories in the precursor forms. Something called NPP is a precursor of fentanyl. That, for example, is produced in factories in China, and then that uh, chemical will be shipped into British Columbia by organized crime games with a few chemical uh, additions in drug labs in British Columbia that can be made into fentanyl. 
and then they take the fentanyl powder that's created, they put it into pill presses and create counterfeit OxyContin pills, or as we've talked about, they just blend the powder into other drugs in order to make the drugs more powerful and go further. And this is what makes it so profitable for gangs. So, for example, one kilogram of heroin in Vancouver costs about $70,000, but you can take $12,500 worth of fentanyl powder and mix that into that one kilogram of heroin and turn it into 100 kilograms of counterfeit heroin that is now worth $7 million on the street. So that just shows the exponential profits that fentanyl can bring when mixed with other drugs. Whoa. So why aren't the border guards aware that this stuff is coming over the border? Why aren't our border guards able to stop the flow of fentanyl into Canada? Well, that's a complex question. It's coming in the mail system. Partly it can come in very small amounts in ways that's difficult to detect. And I know that uh, Canadian police would like to have better access to Canada's postal system to do broader searches. But Canada has certain privacy laws that are very positive in most areas, but they're being exploited by drug traffickers, mostly from other countries in the area of fentanyl and other drugs. Other reasons are in uh, British Columbia, especially the Vancouver area, sources would say that our ports have been infiltrated quite deeply by organized crime groups. So they are able to dodge uh, enforcement in some ways and bring in large shipments of fentanyl. So that would be another reason. Essentially, uh, people on the front lines would say that Canada's border security is not up to the test to block something like fentanyl. Coming up later in this episode. When you add up the real estate sales possibly tied to dirty money, you get a total of upwards of a billion dollars in just one year. How Canada's real estate industry is linked to fentanyl. You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast from Global News. You can download and subscribe now online on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite shows. I don't know how big the problem is in the real estate market and the fact that government doesn't know that. That's a big problem. Now, Global News has learned of a police intelligence investigation that looked at real estate transactions in 2016 between 3 and $35 million. They then took the names of the buyers and sellers and cross-referenced them with criminal records and ongoing police investigations and intelligence and found that more than 10% were allegedly connected to a transnational Asian crime network. Now, of course, these are all luxury purchases. And when you add up the real estate sales, possibly tied to dirty money, you get a total of upwards of a billion dollars in just one year. I think what's so interesting about this fentanyl crisis is that we see it all around us without perhaps even being conscious of it because it doesn't just represent itself in the drug addicts that we see on a street corner, but it also represents itself in the expensive homes with a for sale sign in front of them or uh, an expensive hot fast car that's driving down the street. How are all of these things intertwined when it comes to fentanyl? They're interrelated in the way that it's organized crime that has taken control of the trade. They're making so much money, police believe billions of dollars 
by dealing fentanyl in Canada, that money has to go somewhere. So what the police intelligence says is that the vast majority of that money is going back to China in order to produce more fentanyl, and thus the gains can uh, get a circle of bad money going and bring more fentanyl again into Canada. But in Canada, they're also laundering a lot of their drug proceeds into uh, luxury real estate in Vancouver. We have looked at a police study that suggests about a billion dollars related to a Chinese extended organized crime network was identified in 2016. And these are some of the same players that are allegedly involved in casino money laundering in British Columbia. And so they've been at this money laundering game for a long time. So we have estimated that going back to 2012, it's likely that this network has laundered about $5 billion in Vancouver area real estate. So who are some of these people bringing fentanyl into our country, laundering money and benefiting off the profits from crime? Some of the alleged kingpins targeted by police in Canada's multi-billion dollar fentanyl trade are associated with an organized crime group called the Big Circle Boys, investigators say. The Big Circle Boys originated in southern China with ties to military and police groups. They came to dominate the heroin trade in Canada and have now expanded into fentanyl, using Vancouver as their worldwide hub. Among them, Paul King Jin. Police suspect Jin and several associates of narcotics importation, operating illegal casinos, and money laundering. The RCMP investigations continue and Jin hasn't responded to the allegations. But an alleged illegal underground bank linked by police to Jin has been charged. Peter Lapsan Peng. He is suspected of violent crime, money laundering, and operating a Richmond, B.C. illegal casino. Wei Zhang. Zhang's long criminal record includes a weapons offense, assaults, entering casinos while banned, and also massive cash seizures related to a fentanyl drug trafficking investigation. According to civil court records, along with Paul Jin and a group of private lenders, Wei Zhang has lent many millions to VIP gamblers in Vancouver real estate loans. Then there's Douglas Paré, who experts claim is a super facilitator. Paré and the other names that you just heard Sam mention are all believed to be involved in the fentanyl trade from China into Canada. But those are just a few of the players. There's many, many more. And one of them you can find in British Columbia's Chilliwack Valley. Imagine this area as mostly farmland and fields. But as you drive the country highways, you'll notice what are mostly farmhouses, but then there's a few luxury homes that sort of stand out amongst the rest. One of these mansions appears to be a little more extravagant than the others. Set on five acres, it's a French-style mansion with beautiful landscaping. I'm talking gardens, a pond with an island, a barn, and a massive warehouse. Now, you can't really see what's going on from the road. A three-meter-high cedar hedge keeps it pretty private. But it's believed the home is full of millions of dollars worth of collectible art and collectible weapons. It has a huge garage partially underground with a mechanical lift that stores dozens of high-end cars, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and vintage military vehicles. In their global news report, Sam Stewart and Andrew say if it was in Colombia or Mexico, the secluded five-acre property on Chadsey Road might pass for the set of a Netflix narco drama. 
The person who built this compound is 56-year-old Rongxiang Tiger Yuan. He's a whale gambler. That's a high roller, somebody who spends and wins and loses a lot of money in local casinos. Police records say that he regularly cashes in two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars at the River Rock Casino in Richmond, BC, all usually in twenty-dollar bills. FinTrack, which is the government's anti-money laundering agency, said that he was connected to $61 million in suspicious transactions. Police have connected Yuan to another man who has ties to Chinese drug trafficking gangs. This gang is known to launder the criminal proceeds of the fentanyl trade in Metro Vancouver through real estate, casino transactions, and luxury cars. The criminal connection between fentanyl, real estate, and casinos is called the Vancouver model. Can you tell me what the Vancouver model is? Yes, the Vancouver model is really uh, the Macau model of money laundering. So how that works is for decades in Macau, ultra-wealthy, often corrupt officials from China have been able to get their money out of China by gambling in casinos in Macau. Uh, in China, only uh, Macau is the only area where casinos uh, are licensed. So how it works is the, the official, or it may be a gang boss, it may just be a, a very wealthy, legitimately wealthy person in China. They're not allowed to bring out more than $50,000 per year out of China. So they will make a deal with something that's called a, a junket lender, the junket lenders are organized crime gangs that are based in Macau, and they say, come meet us in Macau. We're going to lend you money. So, for example, uh, the, the director of some large company shows up. He gets a $500,000 loan. He gambles. with uh, when, he, when he cashes out, he can move his money around the world. He can move it to Hong Kong. He can move it to Canada. And then how he pays back is by going back to China, where he has his bank account, and he'll pay back that $500,000 in Chinese currency with a little bit of a a tip or a a charge. That money goes right back to the criminals in China. So money has moved across the border without really moving across the border. It's an exchange of uh, criminal banks on different sides of the border. And these gains that we're talking about have imported that Macau casino model to to British Columbia, and they're doing it the exact same way. And what's interesting is that it's called the Vancouver model because now other countries around the world are referencing the money laundering that's happening here on the west coast of Canada as the premier model for how these guys are getting away with this kind of stuff. That's right. Uh, A professor in Australia especially is the one that coined the term the Vancouver model and he recognized our reporting that was showing that the gangs are, are moving money this way through casinos into real estate and sending drugs from China into Vancouver. And he coined the term Vancouver model. But again, as uh, a lot of police know, it's really the Macau model. And now Vancouver is becoming infamous for being a new Macau model in North America. So where do we go from here? You've done a ton of investigating on this topic. Do you have any indication now, after all the research that you've done, that it can be stopped? That, that is the, uh, the multi-billion dollar question. It's stunning to believe that death rates are so high in British Columbia that life expectancy has gone down in BC for the first time 
in decades directly related to this organized crime fentanyl dealing and overdose deaths. Where we go from here, the police that are trying to fight this would suggest that Canada has inadequate law enforcement tools to block both the fentanyl coming in and to uh, prosecute and put in jail a lot of these organized criminals. Reasons would be that uh, the RCMP especially just doesn't have the resources and maybe even the expertise to tackle money laundering as an issue itself. Other reasons would be that in jurisdictions like the United States, they have something called racketeering laws where you can prosecute uh, the highest level of drug gangs, the people that don't usually uh, get their hands dirty. You can prosecute them just by establishing certain patterns of association and you can also uh, have a lot more power to seize their proceeds of crime and to jail them for a long time. So some of the people I talk to would say that Canada needs to change their laws so that uh, these international organized crime groups can be more effectively policed. Well, Sam, thank you so much for chatting with us about the investigation. And thank you for all of the work that you've done looking into the fentanyl crisis and who's causing it in Canada. Thanks a lot for having me. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Global News at 10. Good morning, I'm Gord McDonald. Charges have been laid against a Richmond money transfer business. The RCMP alleged was involved in laundering suspected drug money to fund Chinese VIP gamblers in B.C. casinos. Days after I spoke to Sam, news broke about a major investigation into money laundering. Just in the last week in our courts, all of the criminal charges have been stayed. Why? Well, the prosecution and the RCMP won't say. We need to know what went wrong because something obviously went terribly wrong. You got Attorney General David Eby saying even he's in the dark. This guy's the AG. He's the top guy. Even he's trying to figure out why this case collapsed. The public deserves to know. We got to show we mean business here. I am outraged. I am outraged and It just shows our whole system is a failure. So as of today, we're getting an understanding as to the extent of the fentanyl crisis in Canada. But Canadians are dying every single day while authorities try to figure out how to stop it. At this stage, we have to figure out why this is happening, why it is uh, that we appear unable to prosecute successfully. It is a crisis and it is a disturbing signal that a prosecution of this magnitude collapses shortly before going to trial. This is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and podcast. You can download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Give us a rating and a review. Tell us what you think about the show and tell your friends about us too. We're on Twitter at This Is Why. We're also accessible via email. This is why at curiouscast.ca. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.